Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Jahan kicks off our Thanksgiving series. Is incredible. I don't know if you're picking up on the trend, but every month um, Far Flung sends us a update because we we give regularly to them. So we are a part of that harvest. Isn't that incredible? Um, I wanted to say a couple things before we we get to our text. Um, there is a great deliverance coming to the Adkisson House Tuesday morning. Uh, this lane goes in. It's Tuesday, right? Wednesday? It's not the 21st? It's a long story, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Great. Okay. You know what? It's still coming to the Adkinson house. He has to come out. He has to come out. And we pray sooner than later. Amen? Peace. I was just going to release peace over your house. So clearly more needed than I knew. So... So, Lord, thanks for peace, and thanks that you know when Elliot's coming, because his, his days are numbered, and his hours and seconds are known by you, and so we thank you for that. I just wanted y'all to be covering them in prayer this week and keep doing that, all right? Also, uh, we got word, Miss Anna, I don't know if you know Miss Anna, um, she teaches in our school, she's well with child, and she's having some blood pressure issues. And so they're looking to take little Jack early. But we're just going to ask the Lord to settle that blood pressure down. Um, Apparently it's genetic, but um, I know someone that rewrites genetic code. So, Lord, we just reverse hypertension. And we just speak healing to her body in Jesus' name. So that Jack can cook as long as he needs to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Also, just so you know. Lots of the men are gone. There are men that lead this church. <laughs> it occurred to me after uh, Chady opened our first service and then, of course, Emily came up and now me that some people that aren't familiar with us might think this was a house of Jezebels. It's not. <laughs> there are men that are leading the way and we are submitted to their leadership and they have released us and they are covering us. Yes. And um, there is no male nor female, nor Greek, nor Jew, Ephesians. I'm just quoting your Bible there. I'm just a clay vessel, but I just wanted to clarify in case anybody was curious. Anyways, um, I'm excited to be here this morning. I love this place. Thank you, worship team. I really have been a lot of places and been led by lots of people, and I just love this place. Thank you for who you are and what you carry and the excellence in which you do it. So thankful for the presence of the Lord. Michael and I, this is year, we're coming into, started in October, year 12. We just started year 12 of Redemption Life Church, year uh, 51, 52, 52, or what was formerly the Powell Church of God. And in our first 10 years, In Redemption Life Church, we did not ever, not once, ever really talk about money. 
We didn't teach on it. We didn't ask for it. We just plowed the way. God was faithful and he provided, but we received correction from the Lord uh, that we were to teach on this and to equip the body in um, their finances. Finances are a big part of our lives. And so last year we started a Thanksgiving series in November and um, I have the privilege of kicking that off again this year. We felt like the Lord said to visit it every year just to talk about stewardship and what it means to be a generous and giving body. The deal is we have a vision for our city. And I love you and I'm glad you're here and I, I want people here every time the doors are open. But if this is all we've, we ever do, we miss the mark. We miss it by a long shot. It's very important that we are out in the community taking what we receive in here, what we digest in here, and we're releasing it to our city. That takes resources. This is a storehouse, and God intends for the storehouse to be full. And in a time when we are hyper-focused on giving and spending and consuming as a culture, I think it's fitting for the church to speak to how kingdom people do. Kingdom living, amen? So um, I also want to just encourage you, if you attend here on a regular basis, to take notes. <clears throat> Not because Michael and I have incredible things to say, though I do pray that we do say something worth, <laughs> worth a valuable somehow to your lives. But um, I was looking over my notes and, and things that I've recorded over the years, specifically about Thanksgiving and giving thanks and I was able, just in my own short history with the Lord, to pull up from about five years' worth of notes, because I think that's when I started consistently taking notes, was about five years ago. And so I was able to pull up, if you will, memorial stones of things that God has spoken to me, things that um, were, were life-changing in the moment. But there's really only so much bandwidth up here for us to recall and remember all that he says, all that he speaks. And so what a gift it is that we can read and write yes. and that we can record the things the Lord says to us, what a gift it is to be able to recall the word of the Lord. And so as I was looking through my notes, there's about five things that really stuck out to me that I want to bring to you this morning before we jump into our theme text. These were things that just shifted my course of thinking that renewed my mind. And as I read over them again, renewed my mind again. And so I want to encourage you, take notes. Write the things down God shows you in worship. God speaks to you through the word. Someone comes, walks by and says, hey, I've just been praying for you. Write those things down because we then take those as First Timothy says and we fight with those. They're words we fight to win and conquer with. Amen? And so number one, complaining will empower the inferior to undermine your faith. Anybody can testify to that. It's not a good testimony, but nonetheless, we can testify of it. Complaining will undermine what faith is trying to accomplish in your life. Number two, complaining will cause you to lose perspective. It's so easy to get hyper-focused on all that's not happening, all that you're not seeing, and it will cause you to zero in on what's temporary and set on what's eternal. Number three, thanksgiving removes demonic influence, this is powerful, and causes it to be a tool or a blessing to you, okay? For example, 
um, I'm, I'm swallowed up in a situation, I'm overwhelmed with a circumstance, and I can get focused on that and I can become negative Nancy. By the way, I'm clarifying, I'm not referring to any Nancys in the room. Is it an expression? <laughs> Nancy Reinecke says, yes, thank you for clarifying. Uh, I, think it was, I think it was last month when I spoke, I said negative Nancy, sarcastic Susan, and uh, sassy somebody. Anyway, and people in the room were like, is she talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> just expressions, just expressions. But we get, we get swallowed up in what we're being pressed by, what we're being surrounded by. And if in the middle of that, we can choose to not complain, but to stay thankful, to stay focused on his faithfulness, then the thing that the enemy used to distract me will actually become a tool in my hand, will actually become a weapon in my hand to work against the one who's working against me, okay? Number four, it's impossible to complain when you're more aware of God's goodness than your problem. Amen? And number five, the supernatural power of giving thanks will take what's not enough and cause it to become more than enough. Talk to me, Jesus, who feeds the 5,000. Even Jesus lived by that principle. What I, if I don't have what I need, I give thanks for what I have, and I trust him to take what I have and make it more than enough. I've seen the Lord do that. Have you? Wave your hand at me if God has proven himself to be more than enough. Let's remember over the next three and four weeks. Let's remember not, I love that we're constantly asking for more, and I hope you feel challenged every week when you come in to ask for more, but let's not ask for more because we have forgotten what he's already done. Let's ask for more on the foundation of I am, I'm already overwhelmed by what you've done and who you are, amen? So our, our text over the next few weeks is gonna be 1 Thessalonians 5. We'll start in verse 16 and go to 19. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? It's to give thanks. Oh, you mean God wants me to walk around and say thank you all the time? That word thanksgiving, when we read it in Psalms, it's everywhere in Psalms, it's, it's everywhere in your New Testament. That word thanksgiving, Paul says every time you come in with prayer to bring thanksgiving with it. It's not just a thank you on your lips. Sometimes it's actually trans translated praise, and it's actually not just praise like, you know, noise for all he's done. That word thanksgiving is the word yada. And the word yada in its purest form means to extend the hands. And so, yes, this is thanksgiving. But this is thanksgiving. When I understand everything I possess, everything I have, the air I'm breathing, the clothes on my back, the food on my table, the car I drive, the relationships I have, came to be one way from him. There's no other response than to live with my hands extended.
and open. What the enemy wants us to do is to live in our sin nature. He wants us to live in self-preservation. He wants us to live in the awareness that what we have is not enough. He wants us hyper-focused on the lack that is surrounding us. There's two enemies to you living a life of thanksgiving. It's the spirit of mammon and the spirit of poverty. Mammon is defined as spirit of riches. It's earthly riches. It's this constant hunger to have more, want more, need more. But my more is not to give, my more is to have. That's mammon. And so my hands are in self-preservation, they're closed. And in poverty, which is I don't have enough, and so what I do have, I must hold on to, I must hoard to myself, I must guard it and keep it. But the Bible calls you a fool, because moth and rust and time will destroy that which you try to hoard. But if you will live with a mindset aware that I am but a vapor, I am a pilgrim passing through, this is not my home, and I am storing for myself riches in my eternal home. If I will live with an awareness that this is the big picture, this is the reality, and everything I need to get through this life, he will provide, then it's very easy for me to live with hands open. If God wants to use me to get something to you, I said this in first service and, and it would be quite a picture if, if we actually could see it, but if there were an open hole in the top of my head and God were to pour in generosity or peace or presence or finances or whatever into me to get to you, because that's how he set this whole thing up. He moves through his body. Yes, he shows up supernaturally, but it's usually through a person. And if God is going to use me to get it to you, it has to pass through me. So if you need peace and I'm the deliverer of peace to you, I get, I get the peace too. If God wants to give a financial blessing to you and I'm re to release it, it, it passes through me. I, I possess it too. I'm taking care of in the releasing. And the lie of the enemy is for you to focus on yourself. And what happens is you close your hands, you become self-inward focused, and you actually clog up your own artery, your own release. You actually say, I've had enough, I've seen enough, I need, no, I need no more. And you become a, the Dead Sea, if you will. There is no inflow and there is no outflow. It's just, I gotta take care of myself. Yeah. It's the perfect picture of an orphan, which Matthew 6 says we are not. So we're not to hoard and stockpile like the orphans. We're to model to the world around us, this is what it looks like to be a son of God. This is what it looks like to be a daughter of God. All I have needed, his hand has provided. So everything I have, he gave it to me. Now, he may have used my parents, and he may have used their wisdom, and he may have used their sacrifice, but he still gave it. So who are you and I 
to tell God what we're going to do with his stuff. Who are we? Let's keep reading. Never restrain or put out, I think this is verse 21, maybe not. Yep, 19, it's verse 19. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit, but be faithful to examine them by putting them to the test and afterward hold tightly to what has proven to be right. Did you know that in scripture, the only time God ever asks you to, to show you, uh, to prove himself to you is through giving? It's the only time that he invites you, test me in this. And these two are connected. This living a life of thankful in all things and letting my thankfulness set the tone for how I ask. This life that I live declaring back to God, I have found you faithful, keeps the fire of God alive in my life. But when I withhold, I put out the fire of God. I put, I remove the flow from him through me to you. Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. And may your entire being, your spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. The one who calls you by name is trustworthy and will thoroughly complete his work in you. We can trust him. He has never failed in faithfulness. Never. Not once. Never failed in faithfulness. And even as I said that, I I can hear in the spirit the argument, well, what about this? What about this situation? What about this? And to that I would say, there's a tension we live in. There's a brokenness we live in. But many times we do things our way. We don't do it his way. And then we get mad when he doesn't show up. And we pitch a fit and point our finger like this is all his fault. And he's going, you never invited me into that. You never gave me access to that. You never trusted me with that. You didn't release that to me. You tied my hands. You and I are not called to feel our way through this gospel. We're called to believe our way through it. And what we believe is what he has said. Not what I feel. I have many opportunities, as I know you do too, to feel differently than what he has invited me to do. It's called my old man. But that old man is dead. It died with Jesus. And anytime the father speaks to the new me, his redeemed daughter, he shouldn't have to argue with the old one. She's supposed to be dead. So when he asks his new daughter that understands because my mind has been renewed by his word and he says, hey, I'd like for you to live this thing out I've invited you to, he shouldn't get any argument from me. Because I'm not feeling my way through it. I'm not figuring it out. It's laid out for me. And he doesn't lie and he doesn't fail and he he doesn't know how to disappoint. But we have to do it his way to get his results. 
you know? I want us to talk about tithe for just a minute. So many times in church we don't talk about tithe because we um, have misunderstood it to be a a law issue that, that tithing is under the law when actually it predates the law by about 400 years. It was instigated through a son of God, through a man that you and I had known to be called Abram, who became Abraham, when he released a tenth of his belongings to the Lord. And he tested the Lord and found him to be faithful. It's this invitation for us to sow, to exchange my not enough for his always enough. It's the perfect exchange system. I release what I have. I get to keep 90, I trust him with my 10th, and he does with my 10th what I could never do. It's not a matter of law, it's actually still very much under grace, because grace empowers you, even unlike the Old Testament, grace empowers you to trust him in a new way that the Old Testament believers didn't have the opportunity to. So tithe, it simply means a tenth. It simply, believe, simply means this is yours. And I could walk you through, and I won't because we're not going to do our three weeks in one, and I have to leave material for Michael to cover. <laughs> but the principle of the firstborn and the principle of the first is all through Scripture. Your Bible's full of it. And it doesn't go away in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is teaching, 16 out of his 38 parables are centered around money and possessions. There's 500 verses in scripture about prayer and faith, and there's 2,000 scriptures about money and possessions. So the word has something to say about it. He doesn't leave us in the dark. So are you saying like the church needs your money to like do what it's supposed to do? Yes. Does God need your money? No. He doesn't. But he does invite you to trust him. And this is how he does it. He asks you to release to to him what in this system defines you, what in this system decides what kind of car you're going to drive, where you're going to live, what kind of school your kids can go to, the clothes you're going to wear, really so much identity and definition in this system of money. And he says, I want you to trust me with that. Not because he needs it. But it is in his design that as we, the believers, the children of God, sons and daughters, operate as sons and daughters and not as orphans, when we release those things into the storehouse, the storehouse is full and we can do the mandate of the kingdom in our city. It's as ridiculous for us to expect the storehouse to be full without your participation as it is if I go to Aubrey's and I order food and I never pay for my meal and expect that they'll be open in two months. If everyone that goes in and patrons that place doesn't pay for their meal, they're shutting their doors. Are you saying we pay for the gospel? Nope. No, but we have a vision 
and this ain't it. You're part of it, but this isn't it. There's thousands of you all over the city. And there are actually more in this hour of history who are, have literally not heard the gospel of Jesus in our city, in yeah. our state, yeah. in the United States of America than there has ever been. Right. It's a wives' tale. It's a good story. It's Christmas hocus pocus, but it's not a living gospel. And they must hear it, and they must see it, and they must encounter it. And it happens through the government of Ecclesia, who can do nothing in the city without a full storehouse. It's God's design for people to walk in here to a place of abundance, to a place of provision, so that when you come to me with your ministry idea to reach your marketplace hub, when you say, hey, I've got... 10 nurses that I work with on this floor and they really need ministry. They're burnt out. Not one of them knows Jesus. I really want to minister to these 10 nurses. Could one of your reach teams come and just pray and provide a snack? Yep. You know what? Snacks cost money. And we don't want to stop what we're doing just to keep taking care of us who have heard. We got to grow up and share this hope of glory that we carry. And there is no one else going to do it. It's us. It's us. In Acts chapter 10, there's a story of Peter and a man named Cornelius who I have thus researched and recalled he was a Roman centurion and he was in charge of the Italian um, battalion. So a centurion would have been over um, soldiers. And this man who was a Roman was having a secret meetings, if you will, in his home. He had heard um, a little bit about Jesus, enough to know this, I'm doing this thing, but he didn't know enough. And so there's this crazy supernatural story in Acts chapter 10 where an angel shows up at this house. It's really cool. You should read your Bible. Better than movies if you read it with a cinematic view. And uh, so this angel shows up, and he's talking to Cornelius. This is prior to him coming in contact with the disciple Peter, who then preaches the gospel, and his whole house gets saved. What a picture of the ecclesia. And see, now Cornelius, who was over soldiers, has been infected with the gospel. And now he's going to infect all his soldiers. That's how the kingdom gets spread. That's why we can't just keep it in here. That's why you who are nurses and lawyers and doctors and teachers and healthcare providers and office workers and accountants, you have to infect your workplace with the gospel. So this powerful, really cool story in in Acts chapter 10, uh, it starts with this conversation with the angel and Cornelius, and I love this. When I read this the first time, it just leapt off the page. It's verse 31, and the angel's talking to him, and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. Your generosity to the poor has been recorded and remembered in God's presence. You and I, through our generosity, 
have the capacity to create a memorial stone in heaven. My finite 85 plus, I'm just gonna start declaring that, my finite 85 plus years that I get to live down here, which is measly in the scope of history, has the capacity to mark in eternity, to bring something before the Lord that he records and remembers when I give. What? That's crazy. But we don't get to even talk about generosity till we deal with the tithe. The tithe is first. When Michael and I deposit our checks, I I have a system, because if I don't have a system, it gets lost. Just talk to anybody that knows me, okay? It gets very lost if it doesn't fall in the confines. I'm the one that deposits the money. I have no idea what happens with the money. Michael does all the bills. But I deposit the money, and as soon as I pull out of the ATM, I, I pull out my phone, eight, four, three, two, one, deposit, give my tithe every time. Because I want him to know I trust you and you have my first. And there have been times when that meant I'm choosing between, because I get this story. Well, what about choosing between giving to the Lord and feeding the mouth of my children? I I have been there. I bought diapers on quarters that I found in a jar in the garage when I didn't know how I was gonna buy diapers. So I'm not, I'm not coming to you without empathy, without understanding of the tension that we live in. But we don't even get to talk about offerings and generosity and markers in, in eternity of what my life produced until I release to him what already belongs to him. Everybody can be generous every now and then. Oh, you need a little something, something, okay. But can you every week, every month, every day, can you trust him? Can you say you are Lord of my finances? Because Thanksgiving is not a thank you. It's a life that lives and screams and declares, I have found you faithful. I trust you. Everything I have is yours. It's a life with open hands. And God knows the difference of me saying, thank you, I trust you, just don't ask me to touch my stuff. I can fool you, but I cannot fool him. And I could tell you, and I'm not going to because I didn't come prepared to, but I could tell you so many stories of the kindness and the goodness of God. I will tell you this one because it's pertinent to what I was gonna say and I did come prepared to bring it to you. This issue of releasing and trusting the Lord, it really is an issue of lordship. It is an issue of do I trust you? And he's so good, he'll keep coming after it. Really, I mean, I know you trust me with this, but I really want you to trust me with this. Because a whole world will open up if you'll trust me with this. 
So when we were in California, I'll say this and then I'll wrap this bad baby boy up, bad boy up, whatever, okay, <laughs> moving on. When we were in California, bad baby boy, that will be one I never lived down. Um, uh, um, when we were in California, there, uh, Michael mentioned it last week and you're gonna hear a lot of it coming out of us uh, because we were, um, I don't even wanna say marked, I wanna say transformed. And I, I'm asking the Lord that who we are and what we do from that point forward is so evident that we don't have to keep saying it. But we were so transformed by the revelation of the ecclesia and what the church is. And so convicted about getting um, focused on those who would come in and consume but not catch the vision to win a city. And it's so easy to let the tyranny of the urgent steal your focus away from what God really has invited you to. I mean, we do it with our families, we do it with our work, we, we all do it in our respective assignments. And so something the Lord dealt with us about is being in the marketplace and how we infect the city, how we change the city. And um, most of you know my family and I, we run a small business um, separate from the church called Lifehouse Coffee and it's right down the street. And the whole reason we started it in 2016 was to have a place that the community came to but didn't know they were gonna come and encounter Jesus. Yeah. It's so crazy to me that the, God gave us the model, God gave, gave us this strategy to win a city and then it, we just, you know, you get so consumed in, in building and, and growing and maintaining and anyways. The Lord uh, in California, started showing me places in the city that he wanted us to go to and how we could connect. Showed me some of your faces. I've made several phone calls this week of people that I know you're, you are a marketplace ministers. You understand who you are and, and you know you're infecting your sphere of influence. And so the Lord said that Lifehouse is to do the same. And so he, there's a salon right down the street across from Lifehouse called Dying to Cut You. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it you know, take it how you will. I, I, it kind of struck me too. But anyway, uh, probably why I never went in there because I was too religious. And so um, the Holy Spirit showed me, um, I'm a seer, so I, I see this whole download of me going to the coffee shop and taking free coffee. And when I walked into the place in what the Lord showed me, there were two ladies there that um, were having reproductive issues, what I felt like was gonna be endometriosis. And the Lord was like, I want you to go give them coffee, but it's a bait and switch. When you get there, I want you to pray for them. And so I said, Emily, you're going on a covert mission with me. So we go across the street. She's perfect, so unassuming, just beautiful and blonde and bubbly. And <laughs> she, she offsets my, you know, wham, you know, so. Um, I walked in and I introduced myself and said, you know, my family owns the coffee shop. And they're like, yeah, we go in all the time. And I was like, well, I'm here because I, I want to give you guys coffee today. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. You know, so I get all their names. I'm introducing myself. I'm taking their orders. And several of them said, I think three of them said, um, well, we've already had our coffee, so we're going to get a smoothie. And in my mind, I thought smoothies cost more. You know. That's that old man rising up, you know. And so what I said to old man when she rose up to contest generosity was, those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. 
those who sow stingily, or whatever the word is there, will reap stingily, whatever, I'm making it up, but you know what I'm talking about. And so, long story short, when, I'm, when I've got all their orders and I've got all their names, I said, hey, listen, I know, um, I'm just gonna tell you this is a bait and switch. I'm just gonna be straightforward with you. I wanna give you coffee, but I, I just really wanna pray with you guys today, if that's okay. And they were very open, very receptive. And I said, um, I really feel like the Lord said that there was gonna be some people here. Um, it, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's spirit gifts, and this, is, this one's called a word of knowledge. And I feel like the Lord gave me a word of knowledge and said there would be people there with endometriosis. So I, I shared that. At first I said reproductive issues, nobody raised their hand, that was awkward, you know. And uh, one of them said, well, she's pregnant. And I'm thinking, well, that's not a reproductive issue, that's a blessing, you know, that's good. And so I, I did pray for her or whatever, and I said, I'm, I just, like, maybe, maybe it's endometriosis, or, and um, two of them said, oh, that's us. We were just talking about this. And of course, they just start crying. And we were able to pray with them. I believe God's gonna heal them. And they're gonna know, oh, God sees me, God knows me. So I take the, the order back to the shop, and I said, hey, Britt and Elias, this is the order, da 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 And Elias says, uh, smoothies cost more. I said, yeah, I know, son, I know, but we're going to sow bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully, and he, he went, okay, you know. And uh, those of you, most of you know, uh, this uh, by now, a week and a half or so ago, when, right, literally the day after we got back from California, Mike, uh, Elias, Michael, that's his name, Elias, uh, totaled his truck, and um, very devastating, you know. I had told him four days prior that I felt like the Lord was going to give him a new truck. That is not how I thought that was coming down the pike, you know, but I felt it in my bones when I said it. I'm, I'm, I can show you the message that I sent him. We were in service and I was like, if you will give thanks for what you have, I really believe God's going to give you a new truck. And then, of course, he had this whole download, saw himself driving in this truck and praying in the spirit to work. It was just this really cool invitation from the Lord, and then he told us his truck. And so after we find out he's okay, I just, in my spirit, God's remind me, I'm going to give him a new truck. And I was like, hey, new truck. Everywhere he went in California, everywhere he went, everyone prophesied over, and the Lord's going to give you great favor. Well, favor's free. Favor's not earned. Favor's free. So I can't think of a better way for the father to teach his son, hey, when you total this thing, I got you. Because the, the human nature in us is to find blame. Well, whose fault is it? Was he too sleepy? Did we make him get up and go when he should have stayed because we got in late the night before? And the enemy can just get you all hijacked and robbed in that. But if you just go with the word of the Lord and get out of your feelings and just believe what he says to believe, it'll, it'll settle. It'll bring you some peace. So we said, you know what? God's going to give you a new truck. And then Elias comes to, dad, to his dad and he says, Dad, I'm just, you know what? I'm believing God's going to give me $10,000 from the insurance. And Michael said, now, son, you know, the Kelly Blue Book value for that, book, that truck's about four, maybe $5,000. You know, just trying to prepare him to be realistic. And I'm over here saying, and you'll learn this tension if you hang out with Michael and I. It's a, it is a tightrope to walk. I'm like, I don't care what the Kelly Blue Book value is. God's giving him a new truck. We're going to get a big check, you know. 
And so Michael, you know, Lass is like, I really want to leave it with my mom, but you know, my dad's pretty practical and he's pretty wise, so you know. So, and we weren't pitted against each other, you know, we're just processing, processing. So he's like, you know, I just want to prepare you. So an hour after giving the smoothies, the insurance company calls and says, we're going to give you $10,000 for the truck. Now, was the truck the reward for the smoothies? No. No. The truck was free. It was God's good. But he is teaching Elias you can't outgive God. And he's teaching us you can't outgive God. So next time I go somewhere, I'll be like, coffee and a pastry. I mean, like, I'm going to, you know... You can't outgive him. You can't. All you'll ever find is faithful. All you'll ever find of him is that he's true. All you'll ever discover about him is that he never lies. And he's a man of his word. And there is no shadow or shifting of turning in his nature and his character. That's all you'll discover. But the invitation is to continue to discover it to continue to release, to to continue to discover. I haven't seen that side of your heart, Father. Well, you didn't take the invitation when I asked you to give this, to release this. I love Padre's testimony that he's given 50 cars away. My brother was telling me yesterday, a friend of his felt led and compelled to give a car, and he, you know, wept as he's telling me the story. And I said, yeah, I know a guy that's given 50 cars away. And he went, what? And I was like, and all he's ever found is that God was faithful. I had a testimony last service of a family that God said, give your house away. This retired couple's worked with orphans their whole life and they didn't have enough to live. Give your house away. And they said, that one, that one hurt pretty bad. I said, oh, I'm sure it did. There's the tension. There is a tension. And to live a life that never has any suffering or any tension of this is going to hurt in this life, but really be great for the other one. I don't know that you're living the gospel. Yeah. And so he, they went, they moved to Georgia and um, long story short, her, her father was in Georgia and, um, and, and brought them in and said, I believe my time down here is wrapping up. She rebuked him, said, I don't really like that report. He said, it doesn't matter. I know. It's time for me to leave. And within six months, he passed away. But before he passed away, he signed everything he owned over to them. A house for a house. They sold that house for more than they could have sold their existing house here for, and they moved back to Tennessee. God will take you on a grand adventure and show you, hey, if you'll release this to me, I have one waiting on you, but I can't give it to you till you release this one. We want God to show up before we release but your hands are like this. What can he give you when your posture is like this? So I want to invite you. I have the Michael anointing has come upon me. I did not look at the clock. Love you, babe, if you're watching. It's a good anointing. Uh, um, uh, I wanted to give you a memorial stone today. And to be honest, I really wanted to give each of you like a whopper, you know, one that was as big as your hand. And uh, I didn't have access to that. 
But the Lord reminded me of a pile of pea gravel I have at my house from where we had, we've, we closed down the drive through And um, the Lord said, it doesn't have to be a big memorial stone. Have you ever had a rock in your shoe? And I went, oh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Those are no fun. Uh, I laughed with the first service and said, anybody ever had a rock in your shoe and you can't get to it, so you're shaking it over to the side, you know, like, I can't deal with you right now, but just, you know, moving it over. And so I, I don't need to give you a big rock to give you something that's significant today. But the invitation is not for you to come and get a rock to recall all that the Lord has done. And that is important. And when we remember and when we recall, it reconnects us to his heart. And in this season especially, I think that is in order. But more than that, I want to invite you to say yes to living a life that's so marked by generosity that it creates in heaven a memorial stone. That all the works that I do with my hands, all, all that my time is spent here, when I get there, he'll say, this is where you gave this. This is where you gave this. This is where you trusted me with this. I'm, a, I'm hoping for a whole garden, really, with just, you know, statues and... Because it doesn't look like I'm going to get one of those down here. But I really, I want, if my life can impact eternity through generosity, sign me up. Sign me up. So why don't you stand to your feet with me? Prayer team, if you'll come on down, Mr. Paul, if you'll take the keys. The prayer team is here to do just that, to pray. They love to pray. If you have anything you want agreement on or, or you don't need anything in the world, you just want a fresh outpouring of love and they love to agree with you. We're here to minister to you, to recharge you, whatever that is for you this morning. But before you leave, grab a memorial stone. Put it in your wallet. Don't put it in your shoe. And let's as a people Put so many markers in heaven of generosity that if scripture were being written today, your name would be there. Some of you, have you've disqualified yourself from ministry because you don't do preaching and teaching and singing. But the Bible says in Mark 16 to lay hands on the sick, to preach the gospel, to baptize them, to cast out devils. And he, did, he wasn't just talking to preachers and singers. He was talking to you. How can you do ministry? You can be generous. But you can pray with people at your work. They don't, they don't care how pretty it is. They just need hope. You can send a card. You can send a text. You can cook a meal. You are the ecclesia. But thanksgiving and thanks living isn't just mouth service. It's not just thank you. What I'm saying is connected to what I'm doing. 
let's be a people with open hands. Amen. I want to pray over you. And then we do have encounter tonight. No services this week. We do open back Cal up. If you're not signed up to serve, please sign up. This is, this is infecting the city at its finest. They come to you. And I can't tell you how many times we've been able to pray and love on people, give trees away. It's a powerful time, and we're in a more prominent location than we've ever been. If you can come and give three hours, come and give three hours. Father, thank you for these precious people. These are your sons, and these are your daughters. And I thank you for a family family that will live with hands that are open. Keep inviting us, Lord, into trusting you and keep showing us how faithful you are. Thank you, Lord, for highlighting to us how inward focused and selfish we can become. And thank you for reminding us of who we really are. We're sons and daughters of a good, good, generous father. Let us be the same Thank you for the invitation to partner with you in eternal matters. Thanks for that, Lord. We love you and we bless you. I bless their coming. I bless their going. I bless their marriages. I bless their homes. I bless their children. I release peace. I release divine sleep and divine health. I say in Jesus' name, we're the healthiest faith family. In Jesus' name, no coughs and hacking and sickness, all of that. We just bind all of it. And we release supernatural healing and protection in Jesus' name. Let families connect deeply this week over a turkey and ham. Let let eyes be seen and let identity be encouraged. and, And let people leave knowing that they're seen and loved and known by you. Lord, let reconciliation happen at the table this year. Where there's been separation, where there's been woundedness and unforgiveness, I release reconciliation to every Thanksgiving table that's represented in this house. Let marriages be reconciled. Let fathers and sons, mothers and daughters be reconciled. Let the grace of God be poured out to not care anymore who's right and who's wrong, but they just choose relationship over it all. In Jesus' name so be it. We love you. We bless you. Don't forget your stone. Peace out. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.